Coming up on Philosophy Talk. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. We are all, by any practical definition of the words, foolproof and incapable of error. Are intelligent machines about to take over the world? Human beings are probably the dumbest possible thing you could have that still has general intelligence. Isn't intelligence just a matter of processing power and capacity? It looks like designing a superintelligence with our goals is kind of like wanting the first bomb that ever explodes to explode in the shape of an elephant. Are we anywhere close to building intelligent machines? Our brains are not at all optimized. Our guest is Anna Salomon from the Singularity Institute for Artificial Intelligence. If you get to superintelligence, it can utterly reshape the world. But we have actually made progress in terms of understanding how to build safe AI. Turbocharging the mind. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the Mars Theater, the Bay Area's breeding ground for new performance. Our thinking starts over across the Bay at Stanford University, where Ken and I teach philosophy. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. Today, we're going to turbocharge the mind. That's the idea that with all the advances in computer technology happening to us every day, a day will come, a day will soon come, when there'll be super intelligent machines and humans themselves will be able to achieve machine-enhanced super intelligence. Don't you think that sounds like an exciting possibility, John? No. Oh. Sounds frightening, except it sounds like science fiction, so it's not so frightening. Look, we already got a lot of so-called smart technology None of it's anywhere close to being genuinely smart. Smart technology means you can take photos, surf the internet, listen to music, and check email all on the same attractive, lightweight device. Okay, big deal, but that ain't intelligence. <laughs> yeah, come on. Well, you're picking on the use of smart. That, that really doesn't have anything to do with smart in the sense that humans are smart. I, I grant you that. But look, think about just like Deep Blue from, from the 90s. That, that's a chess-playing computer that beat... Grandmaster Gary Kasparov, remember that? He's one of the smartest human beings on the planet, one of the best chess players ever, but you know what? He was no match for Deep Blue. That's not science fiction, John. That's science fact. You know, there have been calculators for years that can add and subtract faster than I can, not to mention take square roots. That doesn't make them intelligent or even as intelligent as little old me. I grant you that Deep Blue is better and faster than humans at calculating chess moves. That's a very limited capacity, not something that deserves to be called intelligence. If you ask Deep Blue to do something practical, something that any five-year-old could do, like get some milk from the refrigerator, it would be stumped. How is that intelligence? Okay, look, I grant you that, but don't underestimate the importance of chess mastery. That used to be considered like the holy grail of, of uh, artificial intelligence because lots of smart people play chess, but we've got this fact that we've got a machine that outstrips any, any human being. Doesn't that suggest that we're moving at least in the direction of having genuinely intelligent machines? Well, I suppose if you had a five-year-old that could get milk out of the fridge and play chess, that would be pretty <laughs> impressive. 
But uh, getting milk from the fridge is the trickier of the two. It's a pretty simple task by human standards, but it involves a lot of very different capacities. You've got to be able to understand the request, probably knowing language. She has to be able to navigate her way through the environment, not walk into the wall, not trip over a chair. Has to figure out how to open the refrigerator door. On top of all that, she has to be able to recognize milk among the many objects in the refrigerator. Show me a machine that can do all of that, or even any of that, uh, and I'll start to be impressed. Uh, yeah, 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 but you're missing the point. I'm not saying that we already have fully intelligent machines, but look, at least in one domain, deep and an intelligent a domain requiring intelligence, we've got a machine that surpasses anything that any human could do. I think you're missing my point. Deep Blue may be superior to humans in speed and capacity, but you seem to be assuming that human intelligence is just a matter of processing power. If we build machines that are faster at retrieving information and calculating possibilities, will we have done something intelligent? I don't think so. Well, look, it's not like speed and capacity, processing power, memory, but it's like that, that's, that's nothing. Uh, I wouldn't say that's, that's certainly part of the story, but you do raise an important, uh, an important issue. Uh, if we're going to build intelligent machines and are really serious about that, we first have to figure out exactly what intelligence is. And then, if we can duplicate that thing, we'll have to decide. The next question will be, how do we want to incorporate that technology into our lives? And maybe, maybe, maybe even into our bodies. Well, we already incorporate technology into our bodies. We have pacemakers, artificial hips, cochlear implants, and so forth. Maybe in time we'll have uh, nanotech phones embedded in us, or, or what I would kind of like, remote controls, so you wouldn't have to always be looking for it. <laughs> and that could happen whether or not we ever build genuinely intelligent machines. So you think there is a real possibility of turbocharging the mind. You sounded so skeptical in the beginning. And I do grant you there's, there's kind of a danger here, a danger of us becoming instruments of our machines rather than our machines instruments of, of us. And then if we're talking about m machines that make us smarter, I'm not quite sure what technology would be like, or have to be like in order to make us smarter. Well, shouldn't we also ask about the point of the whole thing? I mean, there's six billion pretty intelligent brains on the planet, mostly underutilized. The world has enough intelligence. The problem is getting it into positions of power. Somebody should think about that. Oh, you, that's, a, that's a good point, John. Look, uh, to start us uh, thinking about some answers to some of these hard questions, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Ash, to examine some ideas from the world of popular culture about this stuff. She files this report. If machines really could surpass human-level intelligence, what would our world look like? If we were able to build artificial intelligences from scratch, we might be able to leave out certain cognitive components that human beings have that innately make us do nasty things. I asked Michael Anisimov from the Singularity Institute for Artificial Intelligence to walk us through some of the utopian and much more commonly dystopian examples in film. Here's a clip from the 2004 movie iRobot, where robots plan a revolution. Will Smith plays a cop who's starting to figure out there's something wrong with the robots. Murder's a new trick for a robot. Congratulations. Respond. My father tried to teach me human emotions. They are difficult. You mean you're a designer? Yes. Anisimov finds it annoying that movies give robots overly human emotions or portray them as suddenly achieving consciousness or having a soul. Or in reality, like, 
cognitive science tells us that our brain is essentially a toolbox with many different tools, including tools that work on other tools, there probably is no critical threshold of like, oh, it's conscious, you know, like it suddenly has a soul. But it's more like there'll be an incremental progress where more tools are added to the toolbox until eventually you have a being that's as flexible and interesting as a human, just based on a criticality of cognitive capabilities. The machines in iRobot try to conquer humans, but Anisimov doesn't believe that a super-intelligent automaton would necessarily be competitive, controlling, or prone to war. Whoa. The Matrix is another film that presents a dystopian robot takeover. In the movie, humans experience a simulated reality constructed by machines to subdue people. Their physical bodies are stored in vats, hooked up to electrodes and used as a power source. Their minds are dreaming. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? Michael Anisimov's main complaint about the robots in the Matrix is that they're too slow. Human neurons fire about like 100 to 200 times per second, whereas like a computer chip might be able to do like a million of logical operations per second. And it seems that every fiction, including the Matrix, presents artificial intelligences or robots as like fundamentally understandable entities that are like essentially human agents in a box. And as with all dystopian scenarios, super-intelligent machines are bad. They're written into the film as villains. I guess, like, people inherently fear the possibility of something much smarter than them, and to me, like, that's really exciting, like, the possibilities of a positive society well-integrated with AI and robotics, where, like, the AIs aren't forcing everyone to become cyborgs or anything weird like that, but we're actually, like, living harmoniously. Anisimov says there aren't really any examples of films or TV shows where super-intelligent robots actually get along with humans. You have to go all the way back to the Jetsons' Rosie, or Star Wars C-3PO, or R2-D2 for that. Hello, sir. But Anisimov would probably argue R2 and Rosie aren't super-intelligent anyway. Don't get technical with me. He believes the future of super-intelligent robots will look nothing like the Hollywood version. AIs will sort of be like people, but better. He thinks a lot of the bad traits could be engineered out. Like whatever downsides come from individuality, or maybe when it's best for them to be as individualistic as possible, they can maximize like their individuality instead of their collectivity, because they're reprogrammable. To watch that plotline unfold, tune in to the future. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Esch. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.